Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Now, if you're in recovery from drugs or alcohol, you've already conquered what was holding you back. But addiction is one of those things that can play whack-a-mole, and just when we've dealt with one thing, another comes popping out. Now there's a tool that can help you track your relationship with technology, pornography, gambling, and shopping. It's an app co-founded by my friend and recent podcast guest, Gabe Zickerman. It's called Onward, and here's how it works. If you're concerned about your potential overuse of technology, pornography, gambling, or shopping, you can immediately start to receive automated tracking and reporting of your use. A customized behavior change program, blocks on certain sites and apps, personalized AI coaching, and so much more. Sign up for a free or pro account by going to onward.org or just downloading directly from the App Store. If you're not sure whether or not you need the help, take the quiz at onward.org. Just be forewarned, it may give you some news you don't love but might need. Over 10,000 monthly users have already jumped on Onward, and the LA Times and 2020 are already talking about it. Soon enough, you may be too. That's onward.org. Hey, you guys, it's Anna David. You are listening to a podcast that's currently called Recover Girl, but gonna change any minute to Light Hustler. So get used to it. It's a podcast about addiction recovery and people sharing their dark to find their light. Yeah. Do you want to know if you are one of those people? Do you wonder, should I be telling my story? Like the people on this podcast, I've got a treat for you. Go to AnnaDavid.com. Whoa, don't go there. Sorry, I've had half a cup of coffee and I'm used to having an entire cup of coffee. So let that be a public service announcement. Have your full cup. Don't go to AnnaDavid.com. Go to LightHustler.com slash quiz. That's right. LightHustler.com slash quiz. Take the quiz. Find out if you should be sharing your story with the world. Speaking of sharing stories with the world, I have an amazing treat for you today. This is one of those episodes that's from my live storytelling show that happens in Los Angeles the last Friday of every month. And this is, she's probably my favorite. I know we don't pick favorites, but she's probably my favorite. She was in a previous episode. You will love her. Uh, I'm just going to shut up and let you listen to Laura House. Final performer, she's like one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she was like on pretty much the first MTV reality show, Austin <laughs> Stories. It was about her. Scripted. Okay, scripted. It was their first scripted. It was their show. first scripted. You're about it's me, you guys. I'm the next performer. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
stalker. She knows everything that I have to her. Um, she's written on Samantha Who, a whole bunch of other TV sh shows. She sh performs all over. Give it up for Laura House. Yeah. names, especially when you know they're just one letter off. <laughs> um, when your friend does the fake names, you're like, well, that's pretty transparent. Um, <laughs> one of those guys was like best friends with like my ex, and um, and then she was like, you didn't even like your ex. And like, you know when people talk shit about somebody you're not with anymore, and you're just like, I love you. Um, yeah, that's what I needed to hear. Um, hey guys, I didn't, uh, I wrote a story because, uh, I don't know, I'm a professional writer, so I wrote a story. But everybody else just told a story, and now I'm like, what do I do? Um, I'm going to read a story, is what I do. Um, but uh, this, is, this is about my early days of drinking, um, and uh, it, it, I start as a hillbilly, uh, <laughs> and I end up in France. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I started uh, high school as a Jesus-loving Southern Baptist, adamant non-drinker. Thank you. Uh, I had grown up Episcopalian in Grand Prairie, Texas, and in sixth grade, I, I visited the first Baptist church with my friend Cindy. And this church was awesome. It had a gym. <laughs> Like, it doesn't take much for it to impress a small-town girl. You're like, what? You guys have ice cream parties? And do what? And uh, it had racquetball courts, which I only ever saw, like, corporate people play in shows. Like, like that's where businessmen blow off steam and make big deals. And I was like, it's right here at church. Um, so it had all the amenities a kid could want. But also, and this is true, I loved their theology. <laughs> It is very weird to think that I thought like this as a 13-year-old girl, but I liked Baptist Jesus. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought Baptist Jesus was way more chill than Episcopalian Jesus, who was a bit of a dick. Um, in the Southern Baptist Church, they prayed all the time. Their Jesus was just like a buddy who hung out saying like, hey, how are you doing? Like Jesus was like their best friend who didn't have a job. Who was only ever just concerned? What's going on with you? How are you? All right. How do you feel about that? Ooh, tell me about it. No, tell me about it. No, tell me about you. Okay, Jesus. Uh, I'm a 13-year-old girl. All I want is for someone to care about my fucking thoughts and feelings. Um, so Jesus, I'll take it. Uh, plus, First Baptist Church was full of cute guys. So as soon as I had the chance, I defected to this other church, and I became Southern Baptist. So 13, 14, and 15, I was really into the First Baptist Church, because that's like kind of my thing, getting really into stuff. <laughs> um, which is why I love the show so much, because it's just person after person going, oh yeah, no, if I did that, hardcore. <laughs> I feel if you're, if you're not running something into a wall, like something should have to physically force you to stop doing something before you stop. <laughs> like, it's the alcoholic way. I'm like, like I dabble, dabble, fuck dabble. Go, yeah. go hard. Live your life. <laughs> so, I was devout. I was devout as fuck, you guys. Uh, I talked to Jesus all day. I memorized Bible verses 
for fun. I edited the Sunday School newsletter. I'm like, I'm going to make it funny and cool. <laughs> really into it. Uh, I went on, on mission, like, ooh, we used this little cartoon. Oh, Jesus. And uh, I went on mission trips. I went door to door proselytizing, like telling strangers about Jesus. I was 13. <laughs> Hi, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about our Lord and Savior. <laughs> um, I, I don't have time to explain it, but I left tracks at the Dairy Queen. Well, maybe I should explain it. You guys, that's fucking insane. Tracks are little comic books that show like a person who doesn't believe and goes to hell. And then it shows how Jesus is a bridge. And if you just believed and said, I believe you, then you would be in heaven. Good people. But you didn't. And so you leave it. You leave it around. You leave it around. Rent. Like that's your like religion is to be like, I'm just going to leave it here. Believe it here because you know somebody's gonna be like, mm, I don't believe. I do believe. <laughs> I read this tiny comic book, and you're like, this person's gonna go to heaven. This person's gonna go to heaven. That like, you're such a good fucking person for doing that. So I'm glad I took the time to explain it. Now we can. Enjoy. I left tracks at the Dairy Queen. So, sometimes in the napkin holder, like somebody's like, oh, I just need to. And then I'm going to see them in heaven, and I'll be like, I love that for you. Oh my God. Thank you. My junior year, uh, I became a foreign exchange student, like no one does, but I did. And uh, so I lived in Norway for one full year, and Norway was very different from Grand Prairie, Texas. <laughs> Grand Prairie was a dry town, and you were supposed to believe, be a Christian, or you'd burn in hell, obvi. And, uh, in Norway, they drank a lot and thought it was weird to be Christian. Their attitude is, sure, it makes sense to go to church when you're older after you've done stuff, but why go when you're young? Live your life. I could not argue with that <laughs> Also, I was on a continent where I didn't know anybody. I drank, you guys. <laughs> I started drinking and thinking it was weird to be Christian. Uh, and in Norway, uh, in Norway, high school seniors are so fucking cool, they're called Rus. And at 18, that's when it becomes legal for them to um, drive and then also drink. Not that they do it at the same time. You get it. You've been there. I like the nods. Yeah, that is what it's like in Norway. I don't get a lot of nods, but I fucking like it. I'm not lying. I have backup. So cars are, like, really expensive there. So, like, almost no one has their own car. Um, so the seniors, it's so fun. They get together in groups, like five or six people, and they buy an old van. And they decorate it, and they share it, and they just it's just a fucking party. That whole year is like, let's get in the van and go do stuff. And so on weekends, they would get together in their vans, drive about 10 miles, we were right on like the Swedish border, so like into Sweden to a giant field, and meet up with other roos from other schools and drink and have sex for like three days. That was senior year. I was like, well, we have senior skip day and go bowling, but nothing like that. <laughs> nothing 
something like this is amazing. So I was only a junior there, so I wasn't Bruce, but I was from America, so I was a bit of a celebrity. And, uh, I used my cachet to get in good with the Bruce, and I became a, kind of a mascot to the seniors, and I went with them as often as I could. I had lots of fun times, like um, when like uh, the super hot guy, they had built, and they would decorate their bands like, like, sometimes just like painted and said something fun on the side, but then what they had built like a house on top, like a rooftop on, on and he, one of the guys like uh, got on it with cross country skis and like skiing down the rooftop and landed. He was fine because drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's that moment of being a young drunk. There's a moment in your life where like, you really are invincible. And I know a lot of times those stories end with like, well, you're not invincible. But a lot of times, no, you're fine. <laughs> We're just chanting, and he's going to jump off the roof of a van, and wow, it's good times. And, uh, or there was one time when um, I was asked if I could sing, and I lied and said yes. And then I somehow was fronting a band, scream singing Sex Pistols song to a small crowd. And that was also the first time I passed out under a table. <laughs> I got to travel a little bit while I was there. So for winter break, my host parents who I lived with wanted to go to Chamonix, France. And um, I got to go and take a friend of mine. And we packed up and we, we hopped on this double-decker bus that was driving us like from Norway south down to France. So already, how, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, that's, that's crazy. Um, but I'm with my host parents, but also my friend. And I just had it in my head. Like, looking back, I'm like, how the fuck is wrong with you? But I was just like, we gotta be drunk. Like, we're on a bus, like, it's a party bus. My host parents were right there, along with a lot of other just people wanting to go skiing. But I knew that nothing makes a trip more fun than booze. So we stopped at like a duty-free place and I bought, um, again, a, this is just from like, a lot of my drinking had to do with just stuff I'd seen on TV and wanted to do in life. So we stopped at a duty-free store and I bought a bottle of pina coladas. <laughs> Nothing to do with Norway, France, skiing, or a bus, but I was like, spring break, right? I was just like, that makes everything fun. And so like, it seemed a little fancy and, uh, and I guzzled it because it just tastes like pineapple milk. And so, <laughs> but I was on a bus, so like in an hour, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I had that, oh no, I think I might throw up feeling, and two steps into heading oh. for the bathroom, spew, like a, oh. a magnificent jet spray of <laughs> pina colada erupted from my mouth hole, and, uh, on the floor, on me, on whatever passengers were in those three rows, just a, a spray. Uh, and I went to the bathroom and, and did the proper throwing up, but boy, it was a real amazing trailer for the film. And um, for the rest of the year, my host dad teased me anytime I drank anything fast. He was like, slow down, it's not pina colada. Because when you're a, when a certain amount of young, you're, young people are just good looking. Like it just, it doesn't matter. Like you don't know when you're young, especially women, we're kind of told you're supposed to look a certain way. No, if you're young, you're fucking good looking. Like you just are. Sadly, you don't know that until you're older. 
Um, but even with, with uh, Pina Colada spew, still hooked up with a guy. So I, because you're just young, you could ah! He could overlook that. And uh, so there was this, this guy we're talking to, and he said he was Morton Harkett's cousin. And if you're of a certain age, which none of you are, or you would have been like, ooh, so fuck you. Young, good-looking people who don't know who Morton Harkin is. The band AHA, take on me. The singer is Morton Harkin, who was Norwegian. And this guy was his cousin. Uh, and so he said he was Morton Harkin's cousin. Sure, you're laughing. It took me 20 years to go, that wasn't Morton Harkin's cousin. <laughs> but I, I do actually believe it was Morton Harkin's cousin. So we didn't have sex. We only like made out and had almost sex because I had really, when I was really religious, I was like, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. But then once I started drinking, I was like, I'm going to not have sex Oh, at least, you know, a couple of months, maybe. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it a Wednesday. Like, it's just, you know, boundaries really bent. But it, you know, I had a lot of, like, almost like... So, uh, I, some of the things I learned on my trip, I learned that Denmark makes kirschevin, and that's cherry wine that's fucking delicious, and it goes down just as easily as pina colada. Um, I learned that milk is great and black tea, and so is whiskey. Um, I had glug, which is hot spiced wine. They take wine, add some purple syrup stuff. Not sure what that was. But spice and nuts and raisins, they heat it on the stove, and it tastes like love. <laughs> it might be actual love. It might actually be that. And um, so when March rolled around, I had been in Norway for eight months. I had left Texas a super Christian, and now I was fast approaching being the town drunk. Um, and this opportunity came up for me to visit with friends from Texas. Weird thing. So at my high school in Grand Prairie, the world history teacher took a group of students to Europe like every other year, and this was that year, and the students were my grade, and there was a plan for them to spend a week touring London and Scotland over their spring break, and I asked my mom if I could meet them. After all, I was already so close to England. <laughs> we were just one hour different times when I met so we're I'm basically already there. She said yes. Shouldn't have, did. So, God bless you. so my friends were to arrive in London on a Saturday morning and I checked the flights and the, and the ones that I thought they either came in Friday night or Saturday night. So either I'd get there early and miss a few hours with them and I, or I would, uh, or I'd get there like early or I'd have to like get there on Saturday night and miss, you know, whatever happened that afternoon. I hate to fucking miss anything because alcoholism. So I lied to my host parents and was like, no, no, I'm going to get there Friday night. So my plan was simply that I get there Friday night, stay up all night out at a club or whatever the London Waffle House is or whatever. <laughs> I was only coming from a Texas education of like, I know there's diners, you could just sit in all night. What's the big deal? I was 15. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but my brain told me, almost 16. <laughs> <laughs> When you're 15, 16 is like 30. You're like, I'm basically a middle-aged woman. So don't worry about me. I'll just fly to another country by myself. <laughs> so I got to London on Friday night. I was amazed. Like, if you know what it is, you've been there. It's like stepping into a storybook. It's fucking amazing. I put my suitcase in a locker, got in a cab, and I said to the guy, take me to the Hippodrome. <laughs> 
Hippodrome. <laughs> Hippodrome was something that, again, I had just seen it on TV. It was a place where people like Lady Diana would go out dancing with Elton John or something. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> much about London, but I know this cool club called the Hippodrome. It's in Piccadilly, whatever. <laughs> I dressed up as much as I could. Like, I wore, like, a coat. <laughs> like, when you're little and you're like, oh, this is fancy. I wore, like, a coat, you know, that was like a proper coat. Like, it, you know, knee length, like a coat and a scarf. Because children don't dress like that. That's what ladies do. <laughs> and I make up and I curled my hair, very glamorous. So I was like, oh yeah, this. <laughs> um, I marched right up to the door and the door guy did not let me in. <laughs> and he said they were full. And then I saw him let like a couple other people in and I was like, I got you. I was like, ha, you're not full. And he was like, do you want me to call the police? And I was like, I will leave. <laughs> But there was another club like across the street and they didn't care about anything. So I went in there and I danced and I drank and I met a nice guy and around midnight or 1 a.m., this was unusual, I started getting sleepy. I had not counted on actually getting tired in this foreign land where I didn't know anyone and was determined to just stay up all night. Um, I'd assume I'd have like adrenaline and everything and I'd sit and drink coffee at the Waffle House or whatever, but I was, I was tired. So this guy, and I, I do want to relax you, this does not end horribly. Um, this is one of those weird stories where everything's fine. I know as a storyteller, I shouldn't say that, I should let you, but we live in a time where something real, this suggests something real bad's gonna happen. Did not, because there's a time when drinking is fun. So, but I, I could just tell people like, oh, <laughs> this never, oh, no, it is, the world is so fucked up, this is a weird twist, it was, <laughs> that's the new black mirror, <laughs> this guy, a happy ending is the new twist, that's fucked up, man, there's still pen pals, whoa, If I wanted to come home with them, his flatmate was away, and I was like, sure. And again, a lot of stories I'm with is, and that's the last time we saw Laura House. But he was actually really nice. He gave me a shirt to wear, and he was like, you can sleep here. And there was some making out, but I'm like, I've never really done it. He got the message, and we just slept. And I woke up, but when I woke up, I had no idea where I was, because <laughs> I had just been like, kind of drinking. Yeah, I'll go home. I don't know. We took a this and a that, and then we're somewhere in London, and I have to get back to the airport, get my stuff meet my friends to go to the hotel because this was like pre-internet cell phone. I, you don't just used to just not carry all that information with you. You were just like, I hope I remember the names of things and you just went out <laughs> into the world, <laughs> save the people. Ah, I don't know, Hippodrome. Let's just, just fucking pell-mell. There was no rule. It was a feral world. It was all the Old West. So I woke up and I was just like, how do I get back? Where am I? But I knew sub subways were like every few blocks and I snuck out of the house and I walked toward a subway and I was hungry so I shoplifted a Cadbury egg. Uh, <laughs> egg because it was breakfast, chocolate because I was 15. <laughs> Stolen because I guess 
an alcoholic travel. Uh, I found a subway, which is inherently, they have maps. That's what a subway is. It's a map. It's a map train. And uh, I made my way back to the airport because even that, you can figure out, you're like, da, da, da. oh, big, big words, it's going to say airport. And so uh, I did, and I was, I was all set. I'm going to meet up with my American friends and like get back on track. About a half hour from the airport, the train stopped. <laughs> like there was something had to be repaired, and uh, no one cared that I had a tight deadline. And so we were delayed like an hour, and I missed my friends at the airport. Um, through a lot of melee, like it was kind of nuts because I'm like, what hotel? Are I mean, I just assumed I would find my friends because I'm 15 and I don't think anything through. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know where we're staying. <laughs> like, um, that's not good. But through a lot of melee, I finally like I got my stuff. I went to the wrong hotel. I accidentally found the right one. We joined up, yay, old friends. And then we did what anyone does when they're on an exciting European city. We got drunk and played Truth or Dare. Yes. Right? Yeah. We've been around high school kids. Um, of course, by day we saw the sights. We had a long itinerary, but teenagers always find a way to get drunk and play Truth or Dare. I think alcoholics excel at truth or dare because you can't get us, right? <laughs> like, dare's not a problem. We don't give a fuck. And there's, like, very little we mind doing. And then we have the added bonus of, like, I had to. Like, you just have no response. I was a dare. Well, what was I going to do? Not do that? Uh, and then truth is not a problem because we know we can always lie. So, like, on, I'm always going to do great at truth or dare. And there was a typical, like, you kiss him and you touch her, whatever. And then the, the, the who likes who truths and stupid. Then we got into peeing. I'm about to wrap up. Um, but we got, got on a, there are other stories I could tell this, but I thought this one was fun. We got into a weird pee thread. And so, like, uh, this one guy was dared to pee out the window. And we later realized that window was facing Scotland Yard. Um, <laughs> oh, you've never been drunk and peed out a window? <laughs> Most people haven't. Um, but my, you're not going to enjoy this at all if that got a new. Um, my pee there was a little more intense, and nobody expected me to do it. But a good drunk doesn't back down! Yeah. Thank you. Now we're back on track. You guys got real judgmental there. You peed at Scotland Yard? Yeah! You fucking peed on Scotland Yard? We're, we're not ambassadors, we're children. Yeah. Um, so I, I was dared to pee in front of the teacher's door. That means in the hallway of the hotel, drop trout and pee, like no, somebody coming out of the elevator, coming in another room, whatever, this was the dare. Inside, in front of the door that our teacher might at any moment come out of. No problem, did it, peed my name in cursive. Now, <laughs> as a storyteller, I know that a better version of this story is how she came out and caught me and everything was crazy and chaos. I was punished, I learned some kind of lesson. Uh, or she came out, and which was my plan, if she came out, I was gonna fake sleeping. <laughs> that was my that was my out plan. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Wait, what? what are you doing? I don't know. I'm not in your room. You're peeing in front of the door at a hotel. Like, I don't think so. Just let me five more minutes. Come on. Um, 
but I got away with it, scot-free, unless somehow this is airing and there's a binding. But I think it's been like 89 years since this happened. So I got away with it. It was just, it was the times when drinking was still fun. And I guess if there's any global restitution to this, it's the fact that this was the beginning of my drinking. And I did drink for 20 years, which was most of my life, and also ruined it. So I did, in a way, get punished for all the fun drinking I had during this week. And now I'm better. And if you ever travel with me, and I hope you do, I will not pee on anything I'm not supposed to. Thank you.